Welcome into a quick timeout podcast. I'm joined today by Matt Daugherty, former college basketball coach and analyst. Coach Daugherty travels around the country speaking to businesses and organizations as part of his Daugherty coaching practice. For those who may not recall, he was part of that 1982 Tar Heels National Championship team. And then also he had coaching stints at Notre Dame, FAU, SMU, and UNC. This particular conversation focused mostly on the leadership principles he shares during his talks. He even talks a little bit about the DISC assessment, which for those who listen to the podcast will remember from a few episodes back. Before we get started, thanks to our sponsors at Dr. Dish Basketball. If you're in the market for a shooting machine, make sure to check out Dr. Dish. Right now, you can save an extra $300 on the Dr. Dish Rebel, All-Star, and CT models when you mention Quick Timeout Podcast. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com on the web or connect with them on social media at drdishbball. Now here's my conversation with Coach Matt Doherty. I want to welcome to the show Coach Matt Doherty, former college basketball player and coach. Coach, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. And I, I love the background on the wall there. I appreciate that. So we'll talk a little bit more about, about the UNC days a little bit later on. But for those who maybe haven't kept up with you, what are you up to now? Well, I run a leadership practice, uh, Darty coaching practice, where I help people with uh, leadership. I give keynote talks. I do executive coaching and seminars. I'm also running a private business where I... Uh, uh, brokerage of health and wellness products. I do want to talk a little bit about the leadership primarily today, maybe talking about starting with leadership development and how that applies, especially to, to coaching. Um, and for coaches, maybe who are wanting to build better leaders on their team, I think it's something that we personally all want to be able to be good at is just simply leading, but then also developing, I think, Coaches who really are in it for the right reasons obviously want to pass on those things to the next generation. I saw one one of your keynotes that you did kind of a clip from it and talking about the idea of just leading yourself. I think starting with that, can you kind of talk about that and the importance of that idea? Well, Tony, the first thing is you, I call it, uh, and my website, by the way, is coachmattdarty.com. And uh, I talk a lot about the six no's of leadership. And the first one, and, and it's an acronym, Stevitt. I created some character named Stevitt. Uh, the first no is, is know yourself. Uh, that's the S. The next one is the T is know your team. Then you have to know your environment. And then you have to know the vision you have for your organization. Uh, then you have to know your industry. You better be on the cutting edge of, of whatever it is, technology, style of play, uh, communication, uh, recruiting. And then the last one is you have to know the truth and, and you want to mine for the truth. Uh, I think a couple of the most important ones, probably, you know, first one is, is knowing yourself because we all have so many blind spots, Tony that uh, whether, you know, there are triggers, uh, we overreact, um, you know, your biggest strengths, your biggest weakness, um, that's huge. And then knowing your team, that not everyone is wired the same. So what may work for one player may not work for another player. Uh, how you communicate with, uh, you know, one player is not going to work with everybody else. So you have to kind of custom make it. And that's the challenge, I think, in coaching because you're up in front of the group a lot. And, and so your message you're trying to share with, say, 15 people 
but not everyone's going to receive it the same way. So understanding how you can get the most range for your talk in front of a team, and then how do you talk with them individually? So it's the art for, form of coaching. I think coaching has the art of coaching and the science of coaching. The science is the, the X's and the O's, and the art of coaching is how you lead uh, your, your staff and you lead your team. Talking about building leaders, as far as your players go, you coached a lot of different places and had different personalities. Are you in agreement with the the leaders are born? They're certainly born, uh, but you can grow to be a good leader. I think the thing that was most exciting to me after I lost my job, and the reason I'm so passionate about leadership, Tony, is uh, I was the head coach at North Carolina National Coach of the Year 2001 and 2003. I was forced to resign, and my leadership was publicly questioned. So as a, as a former player and a coach, you always say, okay, what, what happens when you lose a game? You, you seek to get better. So I sought to get better and went and worked um, with some executive coaches. I studied at Wharton, studied at Darton, uh, at UVA. And one of the most exciting things I read was when I was taking class at Wharton and it stated leadership is a learned behavior. And, and so that was exciting because at that point, I felt maybe that leadership is, you know, you're either born with it or you're not. But, no, you can definitely improve your leadership skills. And um, it, it, it's it's something that I'm passionate about. And I, I speak to corporations, work with executive coaches on that very topic. Are there some examples or some ideas of things that coaches can do with their players to help develop their leadership? The player's leadership or the coach's? develop the player's leadership. Yeah, of course. You, you, it's practice. I mean, um, I, I, that's why I call it the Doherty coaching practice. Um, you can't just, if, if, I saw, if, I, if I came uh, and met with you and said, and you never played basketball before, or, you know, and I said, Tony, this is how you shoot the ball. And we spent an hour and I left, you know, and you, you never really worked on it. Are you going to be a good shooter? No. Um, you know, it's like golf. Like I could show you how to swing a golf club, um, but even the best players need to continually work and fine tune that craft. And the thing about leadership is it's, it's very few of us get thrust in a leadership role. One, two, very few of us get thrust in a leadership role where you can um, have people around you that can coach you. That's why executive coaching is so important. Because, you know, imagine being a golfer and not having a golf coach and just trying to figure it out on your own and, and no video and nobody giving you feedback. Uh, so uh, the, the coaching is such is so vital. So as, as, a, as a coach, you know, I think it's important to teach your players how to lead and, and put them in position to lead and then coach them. You know, what do they do well? What do they – do the tough thing is most head coaches don't have anybody coaching them on how to lead and a lot of head coaches that were assistants have never been there before they think it's easy and then they're in the head chair and they're in a a, a team meeting and a player falls asleep or a player is not paying attention or a player uh gets distracted or uh and then the coach how does he handle that if a player shows up late or how are they going to handle it you know, and it's a practice. You're never going to perfect it. And that's why the game of golf is so similar. I, I talk about leaderships like golf. 
you know, you feel like you mastered it and all of a sudden you hit one out of bounds and now you've got to re-tee and your confidence is shaking, uh, shaking, but you got to hit the ball. You got to take a swing. And so uh, it helps to have a coach with you on that golf course, on that journey, or at least on the practice range before and after the round. Why would you say are some of the biggest reasons why coaches don't build leaders effectively? Oh, do they just think that it's going to take them too much time or are they too, they don't want to empower people or I think the focus, Tony, should not be on the coaches developing the players as leader. I think it's more the coaches developing their own leadership because once you, that's where I talk about the six nose of leadership instead of it, you got to know yourself first because you can't lead others if you don't know yourself. So for a coach to try to help a player lead, and he doesn't know himself, then, then it's just a waste of time. Uh, so I think the focus on coaches should be they have to become more self-aware and become better leaders so then they can help lead their team and develop the leadership within. Talking at the start about your time at North Carolina, I think people, as soon as you mention that, the first name that comes to mind is probably Coach Smith. Do you have examples of his leadership and maybe how that impacted you while you were there? Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, on and on. I mean, he always talks about praising the actions you want repeated. And I think that's not done enough. You being a dad, you understand, you know, as a kid that it's probably so often your kids, you hear the kids here, don't do this, don't do that. Don't do this, don't do that. As opposed to, hey, great job doing that. Thank you for making your bed. Thank you for putting away the dishes. And I think the more kids hear that, the more inclined they're to do that behavior. And, 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 and I think that um, if you praise one of your children, the other one's going to want to be praised too. So they're more than likely to uh, behave in the manner that you desire. Does the topic of self-discipline and even self-awareness knowing your strengths and weaknesses. Is that something that you talk about? Is something that, that is important to leadership? No question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, the self-awareness is key. If you, you don't know yourself, man, you, again, you can't, you can't lead. And I think part of that is finding the truth. That's why in, in Stevitt, I talk about the last thing of being the truth. You've got a mind for the truth. And so as a leader, how do you find out about the truth with yourself? One, you take assessments, uh, the DISC assessment, the Myers-Briggs evaluation, where you get feedback and, and realize, oh, my gosh, I'm wired this way. And now you see it in black and white. It makes more sense to you. And you realize where your blind spots are. And then, and then do a 360 uh, survey where you give it to your staff. And, and then the staff's giving you feedback in black and, black and white. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I never thought it came across like that. And where I wasn't aware of that. And then finally, do you have somebody on your staff that can be the truth teller, that can close the door and say, coach, you screwed up in that practice by calling John, you know, a pansy. Uh, he's pretty sensitive and he didn't take too kindly to that. And I saw the reaction of the other guys. You need to patch that up. And then the coach has to be secure enough to accept that input, praise the action that, hey, thank you for coming in. I needed to hear that and then act on it. Uh, that's a healthy, secure leader uh, creating uh, a team of healthy, secure 
leaders. I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, I'm going to have somebody on actually soon who's going to talk about the DISC assessment and does that. And it's actually our athletic director at our university. And he did that for our team this year. And it was, I mean, it was so eye-opening. I, I told him it's, it felt like it saved us six months trying to figure out the guys. There may be some coaches that are listening to this and like, I'd like to know more about how that could impact my coaching. Can you just talk about how those things have the ability to help understand your players better and help understand yourself better and help communicate and lead other people better? Yeah, well, everyone's wired differently. In the DISC assessment, there are four categories. Uh, uh, and everyone's a hybrid, you know, you're not just one category. So the D is a driver, somebody who likes to coach, somebody likes to be up in front, somebody likes to lead. And then the I is the influencer. Uh, that's generally someone who's got a big personality, likes to talk, likes to engage, uh, salesman type. And then the S is somebody who's more steady, just very consistent, maybe lays in the background a little bit, just likes consistently, night, likes to know what they're going to get each day. And then the C is the person who's the compliant person who likes to follow all the rules. And so, you know, I, I, I'm a DI. I'm a big high D and an I. Um, but 69% of the population are S's. And so, you know, with all analytics, right, you have these S's. Well, I like to move. I like to change. I like to influence. I like dynamics. I like, um, well, the S's don't like change. So, you know, if I have a team of 10 guys, seven of them don't like change. Mm -hmm. So now how do I encourage change? How do I, so I've got to be slow at change. Or like when I took over at North Carolina, I inherited uh, basically five administrative assistants and probably most of them, let's say four didn't like change. Let's say three and a half of them didn't like change. And I came in and made change. Well, that wasn't well received. So managing change is very delicate. So understanding what is on the other side, the receiver of the information is more critical than the sender of the information. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, and a buddy of mine, Scott Stankavis, talks about intention versus interpretation. My intention is to do A, but it may be interpreted as me doing B. And um, you don't control the interpretation. So you better be as crystal clear with your intent as you can to basically fine tune the interpretation. Uh, talking about your teams that you played on and then also the team that you had there at North Carolina and even before then, I mean, you did, did a great job at Notre Dame and some other places. Coming into those situations or being in those situations and especially at the college level, I know it's not like this on every team. You just talked about those Ds, but once you start getting multiple people on that team that are like each other and especially if you do have those Ds and you had a lot of talent when you were there at North Carolina and bringing those in and bringing them together and finding success and not floundering the first few years. How do you do that? How do you do that effectively? Well, that's why uh, the evaluation is so important. You know, when you're recruiting, you better be evaluating not just a player's ability, but his personality. And you can have too many D's on a team. You could have too many S's on a team. You need to have some D's. Um, you need to have some I's, but if you have too many S's, that's probably not good either. Uh, if you have too many C's, it's probably not too good. So you need a balance, and that's where chemistry comes into place. And, and then some people that have the ability to maybe transition from a D 
to, you know, they have some S in them uh, or an I and have some S in them because then they can be maybe a better follower because you can't have too many. You know, you look at the, let's say an example of the Miami Heat when LeBron went there. Dwayne was the leader, but Dwayne and you had Chris Bosh and you had LeBron. Well, Dwayne knew that for the betterment of the team, I've got to step away and let LeBron lead. And, and so he did that, and then the team gelled. So Dwayne had the ability to go from that D to maybe the S, where LeBron needed to, you know, LeBron needed to um, be pushed a little bit more in the D role. I don't know if naturally that's him, um, but I think he's developed that over time. What would you say are maybe some of the biggest missteps that leaders make, whether that's in a new situation or with as basketball goes, just because of it doesn't matter if you're at the high school level or at the college level, there's turnover, right? So when new group, new players come in or new groups come in, what are some of those missteps that you see leaders taking? Oh, I mean, there's so many we take, uh, and I've taken many of them. Um, I think that uh, uh, getting to know the players, again, I go back to the Stevitt model, you know, know your team. So when you have new players coming in, get to know them, get to really spend time with them, get to understand their real goals and their fears. And that can help you develop a, a, the relationship and the trust. I talk a lot about core values and my core values for any organization are respect, trust, commitment, and positivity. So to develop that respect where you respect them as individuals, that will help you develop the trust. And by showing a commitment to them, that can continue the trust. And being positive because people don't like re being around negative people. You were a successful coach for many years. How much of it would you say is the tactical technical X's and O's, how much of it is people management, how much of it is anything else that's thrown in. I, I asked this question because, especially for young coaches, they, they like the X's and O's, they like the practice planning, they like, and they get an idea that it's that. And, you know, I, I deal with parents when I have to, I deal with that player who, you know, complains about his playing time a little bit. But what is it actually? No, you're 100% right. I think that's a great question, Tony. Uh, I, I thought the same when I was a coach. I was more uh, into the X's and the O's and think that players would do, you know, what they're supposed to do because that's the way I was as a player, right? But not everyone thinks like me because in the Myers-Briggs test assessment, I was 2% of the population. So 98% of the population doesn't think like I think. So uh, it is more important to the art of coaching is more important than the technical part because you can design the best plays in the world, but if your players don't trust you, don't, don't buy into you, they're not going to go out and execute those plays. But if you have a player who believes in you, trusts you, loves you, you could have the simple Simon offense and defense, and they'll go out and play their butts off for you, and that's much more worthwhile than any fancy play. As we start to wind down, I'd like to ask this of our veteran coaches. You've already talked about a lot of things that you learned from, and I'm, I'm glad you did. I was just talking to a group of coaches last night. They said, ask more questions of, of your guests of 
what they would do differently or or the mistakes that they had, how would they change those? So kind of in that context, if you were talking to the younger version of, of Coach Matt Doherty, what would you, piece of advice, one or two pieces of advice would you give to him? Yeah, I think uh, uh, one, I would have gone slower with my managing change at North Carolina. Uh, and two, I would have hired an executive coach right away and, and used him, a, a mentor, somebody who had experience that was retired, maybe even on my bench, but definitely someone that I worked with, an executive coach like Eddie Fogler, who was a former assistant in North Carolina and former head coach and, and you know, really ran most of my decisions through him. So those are probably two things that I would have done differently. I want to make sure that people, you already talked about your website, but know where to connect with you because I was just looking at, I've looked at your website several times over the last few days. Can you talk about what's on that site? Because there's a lot of great resources that are for free that you're doing. I saw you starting to post a blog and that kind of thing. So can you talk again, tell them where to find you, whether that's the website or social media, and then the kinds of things that you're putting out and what they'll get when they start following what you're doing. Well, thank you, Tony. Um, my website is Coach Matt Doherty, and that's D-O-H-E-R-T-Y, uh, CoachMattDoherty.com. And they can ha they'll have access to all my social media through the website, so they can get logged onto the, you know, my Twitter account, my Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. And uh, my son um, put that together. My daughter handles my social media. With this pandemic, I put them to work, so they're my, my social website. Social media team. Who, yeah, my, my website guru and my uh, social media guru. And so, you know, I try, I, I show my offerings, my public speaking, my executive coaching, the seminars that I, I give, uh, that, that's on there. Some of the videos I've done, I do try to keep the blog fresh. I do that once a week. And then I do a thought of the day every day that goes out. And it's, it's a, generally a quote about leadership uh, or religion. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you got a lot of great stuff and I'm glad I, f I found you on social media and on the internet and I'll definitely be keeping up with that. So coach, thanks so much for sharing with us today. Thank, thank you, Tony. And I appreciate your time. Good luck with your podcast. Just really quickly, if you haven't heard yet about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other platforms so your show actually gets heard. You can even make money from your podcast, no matter the size of your audience. It really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.